Hi, everybody. Today's guest is Allie Faber, and I will let her tell every single ounce of her story because it is remarkable, and her son, Nolan, is remarkable, too. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast and check out the links that are in the show notes because this month is Craniofacial Awareness Month, and I may have gotten that wrong, but I will put it in the notes to be more correct. But you will love to hear this story about Allie and her family's resilience, and even more remarkable, the resilience of her sweet boy, Nolan. So hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day. And it's what we do with those 24 hours that makes all of the difference in our health, our happiness, and our success. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I am your host, Meredith Atwood. I'm very excited about our guest today. Allie Faber is here. Hi, Allie. Hi. Thanks for agreeing to come into my crazy little world for a little bit. (laughs) Oh my gosh, my absolute pleasure. I love your podcast. I definitely brushed up on a couple of recent episodes and I'm looking forward to contributing, hopefully, (laughs) something good. So I came across your Instagram and I just knew, and I don't even know how I came across it. Maybe someone liked it, but, um, and, and it showed up in my feed, but I thought this is just incredible, such an incredible story of, of love and motherhood and um, just had to talk to you. So Allie, tell us a little bit about you, your son, your family, and, and what we're doing here. Okay, so yeah, my name is Allie, and I'm only 27 years young, so I'm a little spring chicken. <laughs> and my husband, my husband and I, um, when we were about to start our sophomore year of college, did something very uncharacteristic, which was got married. And while everyone in our lives was still definitely figuring out who they were, we were kind of older souls, and we knew that we wanted to just start life there and pick up the pieces and learn as we went. And so how old were you guys? Is, is that like 21? Oh, we were, we were 20. Okay. So <laughs> and I, was everyone... 21. I was 21 when I got married. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. That was weird. Like, you know, 20 years ago. So, you know, right. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's completely unprecedented now. I mean, everyone in my life was telling me I was crazy and him as well, except our families, which were incredibly supportive. And they knew that we don't typically rush into things. We're kind of old farts. <laughs> Pardon my friends. So they were all, they were all thrilled. We started this life together, you know, still trying to finish up our educations with a little rental house. And um, even though we thought we had a very mature 10 year plan of where we wanted to be when we started, you know, having children and putting our eggs in different baskets and having our savings account filled up and no credit cards and all of these things within a year of being married, I was pregnant with our son who is five now, Nolan. And, um, (laughs) even though very, you know, we tried our very best to make sure that didn't happen. (laughs) It was a fluke of all flukes and what a fantastic fluke. Um, This journey that we've been on since our son was born has shaped us into definitely um, 
completely new people than we could have been without him in our life. He just, he gives us this dose of perspective that we wouldn't have had. We would have very much just been um, a little more self-focused and I think maybe just a little more inclined to think that we are in control of everything as people. We're both very type A, OCD, you know, everything needs to be this way. Here's our checklist of how life should go. And then we just got thrown a curveball when our son Nolan was born. So that puts us at uh, February of 2012. We didn't have any signs besides that I was pretty unhealthy in my pregnancy. Um, I had a lot of weird things that arose health-wise. Um, but the day that he was born... So what, what kind of things, actually, like when you say weird, um, weird I had. Things? So I had gestational diabetes, even though I didn't have a weight issue. You know, I'm five foot six and I was 140 pounds when I was pregnant. And so um, it was weird that I developed it. I thought it all had to do with weight, but really it has a lot to just do with your diet and eating a lot of insulogenic foods. Um, you know, when you are pregnant can predispose you to really developing those blood sugar intolerances. Um, and so I... And, you know, insulin resistance is a huge problem when you're pregnant. So I had that. And then I also had polyhydramnios, which basically is um, excess amniotic fluid. And I had excess amniotic fluid to the point where when I had my emergency C-section with Nolan, I had up to like two or three liters of fluid that they had to remove from me. Um, so it it basically made it so that I was clocking in at 200 pounds when I um, rushed in for emergency C-section. And at the beginning of that weight gain, they were telling me, you know, you really need to watch your diet and this has to do with your gestational diabetes. But I would gain three pounds in one day from the wow. second trimester on. And I was like, there's no way I could have eaten, you know, 9,000 plus calories <laughs> yesterday. I, ha I had some soup. So, You're like, I mean, I'm not Meredith Atwood. I can't gain three pounds a day. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it was just, you know, it was really scary. And um, we had these complications, but as far as we knew, our baby was healthy. And what life looked like with our baby, even though we hadn't planned for him to come this quickly, it was going to be great. I was going to do mother-baby swim class with him, and I was going to get, you know, the weight off and get back to life with, you know, being a mom and blend up little veggie foods, and I was going to do it right, and I had all these ideas of how life would go, and um, then one day, close to my due date, in February 2012, um, he stopped kicking, and even though no one else was concerned about it, I knew that it was very uncharacteristic for him. He was a very active baby, and um, so eventually someone believed me enough to put me into labor and delivery. They did an ultrasound, and he was barely moving. So still to this day, we don't know exactly what caused that, but we do know what happened after, which turned our world upside down. Um, Nolan was born blue and it took him about 30 minutes. Uh, it took the doctor and the frantic team around us about 30 minutes to resuscitate him and get some color in him. Um, they actually had to intubate him because he was choking on his tongue and My he didn't goodness. have room. He didn't have room for his tongue to be in his lower jaw because his jawbone was underdeveloped, so it was just stuck in the roof of his mouth, and he didn't have a stable airway. Okay, so this is all. So, where were obviously you had the C section? So, wh 
what were you seeing or knowing or doing during all of this? I mean, with a C-section, they got banging up and you're like out of it. So like what, or what was your husband doing? Tell me what happened before, during those moments in that 30 minutes. Right. Okay. So when they, when they first checked me in um, and I did the ultrasound and he failed his fetal well-being test, I was actually with my mom. um, And so Jay, my husband was at work and then I, I feel like uh, around the time where Nolan was out and they were trying to resuscitate him and bring him to life potentially is when Jay rushed in um, to see his son and to see his wife. <laughs> um, he was, you know, sprinting over from work because all he knew was that they had to get the baby out now. Um, it's all a blur for me because as soon as Nolan was out and I didn't hear him crying, I simply asked, I tried as much as I could. I think I knew somewhere in me that I needed to stay calm. So I just as calmly as I could possibly say it said, why isn't he crying? And that was all they needed from me. They rushed behind me. I saw kind of, you know, a nurse go behind me where the IV was. You know, that happened to me. And put a medicine in and I was gone. With our daughter, Mm -hmm. I I was holding her. And I'm like, why isn't she crying and why is she blue? And we didn't have near the drama you did. But I always find it weird that in a room of medical professionals, it's always the mom mm-hmm. who's like, um, hello, why is my baby right. not crying? Right. Yeah. So they they actually knocked me out with a drug called Versed, which is what they jokingly refer to as a roofie, like a hospital roofie. Okay. So I was gone because they didn't want, obviously, me to be panicking when they haven't sewn me up. So they uh, knocked me out. We're dealing with, you know, a, a baby that for all intents and purposes was dead. And then a person that needed to be healed from major surgery. So I was no longer conscious at this point. Jay was there. My mom tells me that there was a little viewing area where they let the family come in, um, it, but just behind the glass to see, you know, this little tiny baby on a cold table and people rushing around to try to see if they can do something with this life. And um, she told me, in hindsight, she could see uh, the blue curtain. She knew that I was being, you know, sewn up. It was just so much to process for all of our family. And then she saw Jay's face, and he is a fourth-generation dairy farmer. He is as far removed from a person that would panic as possible. Mm-hmm. He's so evenly keeled. He's just, you know, solid where I'm up and down all the time. I'm a very emotional, artistic type. He's just a very calm, <laughs> few word type person. And she said that his face was just white and he was, you know, kind of just his hands were up by his ears and he just was in shock. And she said one of the worst parts of that whole experience was seeing him like that because it's so uncharacteristic for him. Um, so the good news is, fortunately, they figured out that his tongue was making it so that he couldn't breathe. They pushed it out of the way. They put an intubation tube in and he, he turned pink and he let out a little cry and life started for him. Oh my goodness. But what life, what life started as was a very scary diagnosis. They weren't sure what genetic condition could have caused his small jaw, his missing um, structures on his ears. He's missing his ear canals. 
his missing zygomatic bone, which is your cheekbones, and then he had a missing lower eyelid. Um, so there were just these little facial anomalies, and there was nothing else. Um, he did have a cleft palate inside his mouth because if your tongue in utero is just up in that position, then your palate doesn't form correctly. Mm. Um around around that, you know, very powerful muscle that's just pushing against it. So he had all of this stuff, and we only found out about it the day he was born in this most traumatic way. So I wake up, um, and I immediately want to see my baby, and they're telling me, you know, you have a very heavy drug in you, so as soon as you're strong enough to sit up on your own, you can see him. And I was fighting them tooth and nail to get down to him, and life changed for me when they finally wheeled me in and I looked at his face. And it's not because I didn't love him. It's kind of the opposite. It shocked me how he could not have possibly looked different than I would have thought my child would look. He didn't look like Jay. He didn't look like me. He looked like his own separate, very unique entity. But for some reason, I just felt this unbelievable amount of protection over him, this like fierce, love that this little baby that was barely stable with this intubation tube in his mouth with tiny little ears and tiny little cheeks who just could not be different. I mean, more different than anything I had experienced before that he was mine and that I was going to do everything in my power to give him a good life somehow and to give him friends and give him a future. I felt like if I wasn't advocating for him from that earliest moment that I looked at him, that it could undermine any progress he could make as a person, that really it it was about me and Jay giving him the tools that he needs, whatever his life would look like, to succeed. And um, so, so Jay, before, I just looked at... <laughs> I was just going to ask you, before you saw him, did... Did Jay or your mother, you know, quote unquote, prepare you for what had happened or for his little precious Um, features that were different? I mean, or did did you just, were you as surprised as they were? um, The nurse actually told me, Jay was kind of just really quiet and really emotional and he was just holding my hands and I don't think he wanted to get it in my head that it was maybe worse than it is because when you hear it, all, and you you haven't actually seen it. It seem, it does seem even worse. Um, I, I think it, it's a lot better when people meet Nolan and they're like, oh, and they kind of breathe a sigh of relief. Like <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what to visualize, but man, right. he's cute. Um, he didn't say anything. He just wanted to know if I was okay, and you know, said I've I've been with Nolan. Everything's okay, and was just trying to be really comforting because the whole thing had been so traumatic. Um, my mom said that she had been down there with him, and and that was kind of all she had said, too. I think, in hindsight, uh, in retrospect, they were doing their best to not get any ideas in my head without me having seen him myself. But the nurse did say, so he's going to look a little different. Um, he has this. And she was kind of rattling off these scary-sounding conditions and she was like we're not quite sure what genetic syndrome he has but we're thinking he might have something called treacher collins syndrome so are you ready to meet him and kind of left the ball in my court like do you want to see your child or not or are you like, like okay let's, let's, let's talk go about syndrome first or i mean was there any hesitation or you just you just wanted to see your baby um I knew that I could talk. Yeah, I knew I could talk all of that out with my family and with the yeah. doctors. Once I saw him, there was just something about I need I need to get down there. 
So when I saw him, I, I mean, the first thing I thought was, he just looks so pathetic. He has all these cords. Why isn't anyone holding him? And it was just this instant maternal instinct. Um, but I know that that's not the case with other families that have had children with Treacher Collins born. Um, Treacher Collins syndrome is something that one in 50,000 babies get. And it's a gene called TCOIF1 or the treacle gene. And basically it just means that at some point in their gestational development, their bones stopped growing in their face. And that's it. It has nothing to do with their intelligence. It has nothing to do with their, you know, longevity, lifespan. Um, it really just affects the bones in their face, but it affects it in a very scary, um, severe way, which is, you know, clearly Nolan's jawbone was so small that his airway wasn't compatible with life because of the syndrome. So there is a, you know, there's kind of an unknown. If you, if we would have known ahead of time that he had Treacher Collins, it might not have helped us, you know, go through those first scary months of life. Uh, we still wouldn't have known the exact extent of the severity of Treacher Collins. And it can range from maybe somebody has a small ear and, you know, maybe a couple other features that are a little bit mild and underdeveloped. And they would still say that they have Treacher Collins if they tested them genetically. But um, it could be so severe that every single bone in your face is so underdeveloped that you cannot live. Wow. So it's a very it's a very scary risky um condition but if you if you are out and about with Treacher Collins and if anyone ever happens to see someone with Treacher Collins because we know at least a couple thousand families in the United States and Europe that have children or adults with this syndrome um these people actually have an incredible story because if they've survived all of that they typically are some of the most resilient and compassionate and motivated people on the planet. I'm lucky enough now with Nolan at five years old to have attended retreats, uh, to meet other Treacher Collins families and not, not even Treacher Collins as much as just any craniofacial condition, which could be, you know, a cleft palate or something severe and even more rare than Nolan's syndrome. And, um, my life now is, Five five years down the road from that day is just doing my best to advocate for these kids because I had never seen a face like my son's until he was in my arms. And I did have conflicting emotions about it. I had it in my head that life was over, that if he needed a tracheostomy, which he did, and a feeding tube, which he did. He doesn't have either of those now, thanks to reconstructive surgery. But I had it in my head that with all of these complications, I couldn't take him to a park. I couldn't do a play date. I couldn't put him in school. I couldn't, you know, do any of these things with him. And so I, I knew I would love him and that life would be okay, but it would just be so different and isolated. So I, clearly it isn't. And I'm so thankful for my family and for Jay and for amazing teams of doctors and therapists that have helped us, um, kind of prove everyone wrong in that regard. But I mean, as we're talking today, Nolan is in kindergarten and I'm just at home getting to share and advocate for him and other children affected with this condition. And so I just, I still have such a hard time going, I mean, rewinding five years and thinking of how it all began. Uh, we're 15 surgeries now 
into his life and we don't need any more at this point in time. He can um, maybe get cosmetic surgeries down the road um, once he's through with his adolescence and his facial features are pretty much mature, they're done growing, then I'm going to give it to him from there. I'm going to finally hand him the reins and say, you know, if you want to look like Matthew McConaughey <laughs> instead of instead of how you look, it's 20, you know, it's 2027 or whatever. So there's technology, there's 3D printed cheekbones that you can get. You can do whatever you want and I'll support you. But I want you to know that I love your face uh-huh. and that everyone that meets and that everyone that meets you loves your face and never forgets it, and it is special and beautiful, and you deserve to be treated with respect and love. And I I want him to know that first, but then plunging ahead down his own path with his own body and his own life, I want him to feel that he can choose, you know, to do whatever would make him feel better. And so, yeah, we're just taking it day by day now. We're attending educational symposiums. We're meeting other families. We've actually traveled to England um, this past year to meet a family uh, with a little girl that has Treacher Collins, and we went to Stonehenge with them, and uh, he celebrated his fifth birthday in England um, in the middle of a giant rugby field with everyone cheering for him as a special guest mascot to represent this team. And we just have these incredible opportunities that are opening up. So when it seems like there's a big, scary, splintered door that is just slammed in front of your face, I have learned that it actually is just redirecting you to a beautiful new window (laughs) with bright, crisp air and a future. There has never been anything in our life with Nolan that has incapacitated us, that has stopped us, um, having joy and experiencing this life with him. We've had so many scares. We've had some close calls. We've had some ambulance trips that we would like to not revisit, um, in those first early years where his airway still wasn't stable, um, without corrected surgeries. And we don't want to think about those things, but it's so important to continue to tell that story in all of its multifaceted trauma (laughs) to, um, to really do justice to how incredible our son is, how strong he is, how resilient he's just bounced back from every major surgery with a smile on his face, begging me to go to the park or begging to go to the arcade hours after he's woken up. And he's just the greatest kid on earth. And he's definitely motivating me to be my best mom because he can handle all of that my job is easy then it's just to run alongside him, not just as a cheerleader, but as his champion. So when I feel sorry for myself now, I definitely am reminded of everything my own son has gone through. And it's the lens that I look through now that um, it's helping me keep cultivating my passions, keep being my healthiest person, you know, keep making good food decisions for my family every day, keep making good financial decisions for us that will give us our best future because it's all really for for him, hopefully. And so I would love to know down the road as he grows up in this family with Jay and I, I number one, I hope that he loves himself and that he sees positivity in us, uh, in the way that we talk about our bodies and the way that we, um, you know, make healthy choices every day. But I really hope that he knows how much we are on his team and no matter what his future has in store, that we're there 
to support him and to hopefully make it so that any other kid that comes through all these steps has resources, is able to find our hashtags, is able to plug into our social media stories of our own son's life, and that it can just get better for these kids every year that passes. I really think we've come so far as a society with inclusion and celebrating diversity, but I do think that this is kind of the final frontier of even if you don't look characteristically like like people on TV do or, you know, people in media are telling you that you should, you still are valuable. You still deserve respect and love and to be stood up for. And so I think facial difference is something that is a little harder, especially for young kids, you know, who might have a shock when they first see my son to um, have the tools to walk, walk through that competently. Um, I would love to know that Schools talk about, you know, anti-bullying, but that it also includes what do you do if you see someone who looks different just in their face? What if you right. see someone that has, you know, that is in a, a wheelchair? I think that kind of area is covered, but we don't really talk about what if someone just looks so different than you that you can't even believe it? What are you supposed to do? And um, that right now is how I'm daily hoping to raise awareness on Instagram on my YouTube channel is to kind of open up those dialogues and um, I, I guess just try to cultivate some change there because it's not easy. Nolan has never been stopped or held back by a surgery, but he has been held back by negative comments by, you know, kind of heartless interactions. Right. And um, I think that's my number one priority to change. And I think we can. So let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, as a kindergartner, what, I have so many questions for you, but, um, as you know, (laughs) knowing your son is going into school, like how do you prepare teachers? How do you prepare other students? Cause I, you know, I'm a parent of two very healthy kids and I can't even imagine, I call it my mama bear. I can't imagine Mm -hmm. the mama bear in you, you know, cause you, you want to fiercely, fiercely protect your kids. You want to make sure that they have the best path forward. So what is it that you're doing, you know, individually with Nolan, to kind of help that path be a little bit easier. And then I also want to hear about what Nolan likes. I mean, he's a five-year-old, like what kind of kid is he? (laughs) Yeah, well, it's actually, um, it's a little easier than I thought it would be. Um, And that's to Nolan's credit. When I first, you know, came home with him from the hospital, I was immediately thinking, what do I say to him when he asks, why does my face look the way it does for the first time? Because that's going to be the make or break. I mean, what I talk to him about in that moment is going to, you know, be like something that he clearly will go back to anytime that he experiences questions about his own face. He's going to think like, what did my mom talk to me about in regards to this? So I knew that it would, that it would need to, um, you know, be exactly right. So what does that entail? And how do I fill up his cup of self-worth enough with love and support that if someone dips and splashes some out, you know, and I'm not with him and he's at school, that it's not depleted, that he's still, no matter, you know, if there's a couple chinks in the armor, so to speak, that he's still equipped for anything that life could throw at him. How do I do this? And it was so easy, really, um, because Nolan was a lot more aware than I thought he would be a lot earlier than I thought he would be a lot more emotionally developed than I thought he would be. He's just kind of a, 
a very um, wise, a critical thinking little person, and he always has been. And he's also been a lot more, um, I guess, I guess just strong. <laughs> I thought, you know, this poor little helpless baby is going to need more of my mama bear than he actually does need. Wow. I'm always there ready to, um, you know, kind of buffer any questions that come his way, like when he's at a museum or something. But he, most of the time, will kind of just, like, swap me out of the way, and he'll just take charge of it himself. You know, somebody might say, what's that on your head? And I'm ready to go in there and say, excuse me, <laughs> this is my little boy. And he'll he'll just kind of, like, look at me, you know, and I know he's got it, and he'll just say, that's my hearing aid. It helps me hear. When I don't have it on, it sounds like I'm underwater. But when I do have it on, it's perfect, and I can hear everyone, and it looks like Iron Man's mask. It's a really cool. I'm the only one in my school that has it. And so he's just always been resilient and positive enough that anything I throw his way in terms of like, um, just information about his syndrome or, um, you know, just like tips for if someone talks to him and makes him uncomfortable, he's always like, yeah, okay. And then he just, he just keeps sprinting ahead and I'm always just trying to keep up with him which is so so cathartic to me because I had a really bad school experience almost every year that I was in school. And he's just, he's kind of showing me that everything that I was dealing with, which was bad and was bullying, you know, that, that he's, he can do it and that I can see through his life, you know, somebody navigating that with grace. And it's, I don't know, it's just kind of um, something that's, that I'll always, be able to share with other people just how strong and easy Nolan is navigating this life. That was a terrible sentence. It was very fragmented. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I mean, Nolan now at five years old is into video games, no matter how much I would like him to not be. Right. Um, <laughs> he, he'll look up YouTube videos on how to beat the ultimate boss level in Super Mario 64. And then when dad gets home from work after dinner, he'll ask him if they can beat the boss level together. <laughs> and he's, he's very smart. He likes to take things apart and figure out how they work, like remotes and uh, like tools with <laughs> remotes, he's really, he's really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's really interested in, uh, you know, building things and being outdoorsy and hiking. Um, he can run a lot further at his barely 35 pounds. <laughs> he can run a lot further than Jay or I. So in a literal sense, he's making us our healthiest, best selves. And obviously, in an emotional sense, he's really strengthening us because if our son can handle this, then we can handle this. And he's really helped, believe it or not, um, our marriage tremendously because any horrible fight or any horrible name that we could have called each other, we did that first year of his life. I mean, we were not getting our needs met. We were not making good choices for ourselves eating-wise. We were not getting good sleep. And we were in this horrible place where we were uncertain every day if he would still be with us. And so clearly how we treated each other was an afterthought, and we were not putting time into our very young marriage. And we had all of these terrible fights, and we realized at a certain point in those, in that first year of his life, that we don't want Nolan to get an idea that this is how marriage should be. 
we need to figure it out. We need to communicate. We need to find healthy hobbies to do together. And we need to never say some of these despicable things that we've said ever again. And so even in how Jay and I treat each other now, it's through that lens of Nolan. And I mean, we don't have time to argue about something. It's going to, we have to sprint alongside our son. Mm -hmm. If there's a disagreement, we just look at each other and we kind of know we nip it in the butt. We apologize and we keep trucking. We obviously still have, you know, rough days as people that are in each other's space every day forever, (laughs) but it's so much better than it could have been. And we really had to kind of hit that rock bottom place of fighting and not respecting each other and not making good decisions in that relationship and in our own lives to know just how far we needed to climb back up to feel like functioning human beings. So, and so Nolan, fortunately, is so wonderful for us in that. And I think his family life, hopefully, is what he needs to be equipped for his future. <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys are absolutely fantastic parents, like just all around. That's just incredible. I want to ask you, though, you mentioned that as he, like, you know, from very early on, you were concerned about what you would say to him when, when he asked you about his face, did, do you remember mm-hmm. that day or did, I mean, what happened? Yeah, it happened, happen? it happened in, in little, in little moments, probably between the age of three and four, um, these little moments that I would happen to catch, like, you know, him brushing his teeth in the morning. And then I would kind of see that he would be squinting and like turning side to side and really, you know, sizing himself up in the mirror. And I would use those opportunities to swoop in and brush my own teeth and then, you know, kind of look at him in the mirror and be like, oh, you look really, really handsome today. Look at your big, strong muscles. Look at your gorgeous brown eyes. Do you know how handsome you are? Do you know how special you are? And I would try not to, you know, like pander to him, but to really start being aware of every time he looks in the mirror and giving him some positive self-talk that he can actualize. Um, And then at a certain point of me doing that or, you know, taking a picture of him and him going, I want to see that and running over to the other side of the smartphone screen and going, oh, no, I don't like that one. And then me saying, you know, why don't you like that? And him, him following up with, oh, I, you know, my hearing aid is just sticking out and I wish I would have put my hood on. And then, you know, me being able to share with him, well, that's, that's your ear. That's how you hear. Covering it up for a picture, you know, is probably not going to be a good idea because then you can't hear me when I say it's time to take the picture. I don't necessarily like my ears, but I don't cover them up. It's a part of me. And, you know, later on down the road, you could do whatever you want for ears. You could get, you know, 3D printed ones and I would show him pictures or I would show him other individuals with tree trichons that have, you know, different kinds of ears that have been made surgically. And I would say, you know, these are all your choices, but right now these are your ears and I love them and everyone thinks they're super cute. And, you know, you've just got to love yourself and, you know, feel good about yourself because you are handsome and I'm, I'm not lying to you. (laughs) Everyone knows it. And I hope you know it too. Just taking those moments to build him up. And so it wasn't all at once, but I did, I do remember one moment that sticks out the most. Um, He just said, I had never really talked to him about, you have Treacher Collins syndrome but he had heard in every single doctor's appointment, Treacher-Collin syndrome, Treacher-Collin syndrome. Right. And I, I really was wanting to make sure that he, 
didn't feel like I'm Nolan, the kid with Future Collins. I wanted him to know I'm Nolan, the kid who can do 12 miles on the Pacific Crest Trail. I'm Nolan, who can do 15 surgeries but still be in normal preschool and be the best reader in my class. You know, I wanted there to be other things that define him besides this condition, but I heard him say to a friend, um, I have Treacher Collins right when the friend met him, and it just stunned me, and I turned around and just kind of watched that interaction, and the kid was like, what do you have? And he said, Treacher Collins syndrome, it's really rare. Not a lot of people have it. And it just makes my face look different than yours. And it was so simple and it was, you know, perfectly age appropriate. It came from his mouth. And afterwards I said, I didn't know that you knew that you had Treacher Collins. Do you want to talk to me about that? And we just started, he started asking me a couple questions and none of them were too deep um, for, you know, like, will I pass Treacher Collins on to my children? I mean, obviously right. it wasn't any of the, the true tough questions, but I think I gave him enough information that he felt he could um, advocate for himself with that. I mean, he had always already known about his hearing aid and been really good at telling people, you know, I can't hear you. It's too loud in here. I I hear through this. Um, but to know that he knew my face looks different because I have this and it's okay. And to almost get a sense from him that it was something he liked to share, that it was a cool thing that made him unique. Um, I was able to kind of just breathe this big sigh of relief because we had arrived at that place where he knew what he had and it wasn't painful for him to know it. Um, and so I think obviously realistically here with school and just starting out and having a lot of questions thrown at him, even if they're not malicious, you know, just genuine curiosity, I think he might develop a little more of a negative attitude about that because that must be really exhausting to be the one kid that gets asked about these, you know, medical things that you can't control on a regular basis. And I'm, I'm hoping beyond hope moving forward that he has, um, you know, teachers, assistants and teachers and therapists on campus that can answer the questions if he wants to tap out or that he, you know, they're at least aware when he's getting exhausted from it and can step in, I'm hoping that he has good enough friends around him that he can just be himself. And there can be days where there's no questions. There's nothing that is different than any other, you know, first grader would have in their day. I'm sure that there are going to be good days, but I am very much increasingly aware that there are going to be days that I have to meet him with some strength and draw on some reserves. I didn't know I had, because if he sees in him sharing a bad day because of, you know, this genetic condition, if he sees that I cry from hearing about it, if he sees that I get upset, he probably won't want to share it with me too much more. Right. And I want to keep that communication open so that he knows I'm an advocate and that I can talk to his teachers, I can talk to those kids, you know, if need be, and I can make it better for him. I know that then whenever he does bring these things to me, for the rest of his life, I need to stay positive with him. I need to um, be very pragmatic and say, okay, this is what you experienced. This is what I'm going to do tomorrow. Feel free to do this. And you have done nothing wrong and we love you. And the ball is in your court. Do you want to go back to school tomorrow? Do you want me to walk you in? Do you want to 
email your teacher, you know, to give him choices, to keep it very problem solving, (laughs) age appropriate. And, um, yeah, to just, to hopefully be able to navigate all this because I've also learned that a big thing in my life is I cannot control anything. (laughs) I cannot predict what my day is going to be like with him. And I can't predict the kind of days that he's going to have, but I can equip us for them. I can make myself get adequate sleep. I can give myself good foods. I can keep my body strong. I can keep my mind strong. And I can rush into these challenges kind of prepared for battle in a way. And I'm trying to do that with Nolan too. But with him, it's a little different. It's giving him a community of peers that have this condition that he can go to kind of a safe space of adults and family members that he knows how to message on his iPad. So he doesn't even have to necessarily talk to me. He could talk to one of his aunties or, you know, just say, I kind of had a bad day and that Mm -hmm. there's someone there. And I just, I, I know that there's not really much more any mom or any parent can do than hope that they are ready and present in those moments of adversity well, I imagine that as tough as, as this is, this is the time to be a parent of, of children, you know, with any sort of, of difference because, I mean, you have a social media outlet, right? I mean, you're able to w- raise right. awareness and, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, think about 50 years ago how much harder it would have been. So talk a little bit about how through social media you're, you're using those platforms to raise awareness. Yeah, so with my YouTube channel, um, one of the positive changes that I was making in my life um, because of Nolan and this new journey that I've been on was um, going through kind of my house and making sure that it was clean and that everything that we had was necessary and essential for every member of our family to be, you know, our best selves and to have everything that we need, not necessarily anything more. We were in a a bad place of just like excess consumerism because of course if your kid is like my kid you're like oh you deserve a shopping trip so right, the first right, couple years right. was whatever whatever you want you just have it but I mean that's the least I can do for you after everything you've experienced and then I realized that he didn't know how to play but he was just drowning in possessions in his room and so I, I decluttered a lot of areas of our home to try to make it quieter and simpler and more intentional. And so I started my YouTube channel just showing people my progress on that, on kind of pursuing a minimalism journey. But that sounds really convoluted and kind of um, stuck up. And I think I think minimalism isn't quite the right word, but I was just trying to be more intentional in our life together. So I posted a video about my closet, and I didn't realize at the time, but Nolan had run through the shot at the end of the video. And when I was editing it to put it onto this channel with no subscribers, <laughs> my first ever video, I thought to myself, do I want to spare him from, you know, trolls and bad comments? Should I just yeah. edit that little clip out and then just put this, you know, silly video of my closet up? And then I said to myself just very clearly, no, use that. You know, you don't know if this channel will be something anyone watches, but I don't want to ever edit out my son, even though you do want to protect them, especially on social media. I want to be able to start a dialogue, and I don't want to um, shy away from 
the internet and how cool it can be and how it can connect people and it can inform people. Um, so I, I kept him in it and a couple months down the road, I had, you know, maybe like a thousand subscribers or something. And I would continue to share, you know, decluttering videos and it wasn't necessarily Nolan focused, but Nolan would be in them. And I guess, I guess I just gradually got more and more courageous with what I would include. And then if there was a comment about him, which there has never to this day been a negative comment on That YouTube, was what I was going to ask you. Yeah, yeah. Which is absolutely insane. Wow. Um, and so the, every, every potentially negative um, comment was just kind of out of curiosity or right. out of ignorance. And I had no problem mama bearing into those mm -hmm. and, um, you know, informing them and not having anger towards them, but to really, you know, use that opportunity. And then I got so many unbelievably positive comments about like, I've never seen anyone like your son. It's so cool that we can see a little taste of his life and how he just likes to sit and play blocks while you talk about shopping <laughs> addiction <laughs> or something. And I think it normalized him and it made it not so much of a shock for these new people that were, you know, viewing our family. Oh, he's just, you know, she's just vlogging with him. They're just going on a hiking trail on a Saturday and then they had ice cream after. That's crazy. I would have thought that maybe he would have struggled to eat or he would have struggled to do something active. I didn't know, but he can do everything. That's so cool. And so with Instagram, Instagram has always just been what every mom I think uses Instagram for, which is to take pictures of their food <laughs> and to take pictures of their kids. Right. So I... I use that one um, a little more aggressively with my activism and my desire to advocate for him. I knew, um, as those are my two social medias that I do have, my only two, that um, people like me that only use Instagram and they're kind of off Facebook now, for example, that they might search hashtags like Treacher Collins Syndrome if their own child was born with it. So every picture of Nolan, I'm like Treacher Collins Syndrome, craniofacial condition, cleft palate, tracheostomy, tubi right. kid. And I mean, I just rattle off every, every part of who he is medically because I want someone that is scared and alone and thinking that there's, that their life is over and there's no hope to find Nolan just sitting at a park with his mom and to see that these kids can do anything as long as we give them the tools to do them. Um, and I think it's an incredible opportunity. I have had people, I, I just recently had a dad in India direct message me on Instagram and say, what should I do? My daughter was just born with Trisha Collins, they think. Um, what surgeries have you had? What should I tell her mom she's in such a dark place and I was messaging him for a couple of days and just giving him everything I knew and so I know that you know in my life I do believe that everything happens for a reason and I think that when we are in the thick of something that's so hard that we don't know if we can survive it the thing that we can look ahead to is someone will be able to use this experience of ours yeah. it will be able to help someone else our story is so powerful and it's so unique that now, because of social media, we can share it in these larger ways, in these far-reaching ways. I think we all have these incredible um, opportunities to educate, especially, you know, if you have a child with a genetic condition, which I just found out is one in 25 children 
So it's pretty much one child in every classroom, even if they don't have something you can see visually, like their face is affected. One in 25 children, potentially every one kid in every classroom has a genetic condition that they're struggling through. Wow. And it's, it's crazy that we can all connect and that we can share and develop strategies to move forward and um, to do our kids justice and to give them a better life all through, you know, our smartphones. So that's hopefully what I've been using it for. And now on my YouTube channel, um, the two most watched videos of mine are sharing Nolan, specifically him um, and reacting to the new film that's coming out called Wonder, which is about a child with Treacher Collins. They, d- they won't say it in the film, but they do say in the book that he has the same gene that Nolan does. Okay. So we were, we were lucky enough to um, meet Jacob Tremblay, the actor that's going to be playing Augie Coleman, this character with this condition. And we were able to have like a little play date with him and Nolan. And um, it's just that film when it comes out, I think it's going to do so much good as well because it's just his journey through um, not being accepted because of his face and what one year at school can do, this quiet transformation and how strong kids like him can be. Um, and those videos that I shared of my thoughts on the film, what I know about it, and then Nolan came in and gave his two cents. They each, they almost have a million views now. And it's so, so, um, like, I'm really proud that Nolan was able to be brave enough to share. And I told him, lots of people are going to be watching this, and they're going to be talking about you and me and this movie. Is that okay? And he was just so excited to do it. He asked me on a regular basis, what are our YouTube um, family, what are our YouTube followers saying? And they send him postcards, and they, (laughs) you know, encourage him when he's about to have a surgery or when he, his first week of school started you know he was getting good luck cards and we are connected in and we don't have the largest youtube channel by any means it's still a really small little channel but we have this you know nine ten thousand amount of people this little chunk in the cybersphere that is a fierce advocate for my son now that wouldn't have been if i had not been brave enough to share a 10 second clip of him running through my bedroom And I think there are so many good people in the world, and all we need to really bring that out is education and exposure. And I'm always, I'm always surprised at how good people can be. On Instagram, I have had, you know, a lot of people that I've blocked. I think it's kind of um, harder to, I guess, maybe police that site as it can't be accessed through a desktop. And so it is just, you know, maybe teenagers messing around on their smartphones making fake accounts and I think it's a little harder to really be safe so I'm hyper vigilant there um I think you'll still have to request me if you want to follow me um (laughs) I have it as private but I am still reaching people through um you know my profile even just being up there and the hashtags I have even in my bio so I feel encouraged with that, that I am still doing good somehow, even yeah. though I'm a little more protected on that site. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's why I'm using social media. I think that was a real ramble fest no, <laughs> of I information. Think, I think it's so great that, you know, a lot of times when, and, and I don't, 
I'm not doing near the type level of, you know, quote unquote good that you are. But part of the reason that hashtags and all, all of that exists, you know, even when I post a race picture and I, you know, post first triathlon or triathlete and whatever, it's, mm-hmm. you know, my hope is that someone is dabbling in the sport of triathlon. They want to get started on a health journey and they find right. me because, you mm-hmm. know, if, if I can do it, anyone can do it. And so I love that sense that social media can bring people together and, and help, you know, create a culture of compassion, even though half the time it's not very compassionate, but you do find, you know, your people and you do find encouragement just when it seems you need it the most sometimes. And so I think it's awesome that you're using those platforms to, to reach a wider audience. So tell us a little bit about, um, kind of what's next for you guys and, and where you, where you see everything going and how everyone can find you on social media. Yeah. Okay. So, um, in the next year we are doing two large events, um, with the children's cranial facial association of America or CCA kids for short. So, um, CCA kids is the large community, of um, it's like a large charity organization that Nolan's um, genetic condition kind of is umbrellaed under. And um, so the Children's Caring Facial Association of America does a family retreat every year. And so it's not just going to be kids with Teacher Collins, but we are all kind of in the same boat navigating the same kind of facial surgeries and needing um, tools, needing to attend symposiums so that we can be better advocates, so that we can consult with leading surgeons, so that we can develop plans of action for, you know, putting our kids into school for the next school year and um, giving our kids educational symposium events. There's really amazing things that CCA does, like they'll do um, while we attend the retreat. There will be, you know, dating with a craniofacial condition or applying for your first job as a teenager with a craniofacial condition or living as a sibling of a child with a genetic condition. And there's something for everyone. Um, We're partnered now with CCA. My family is going to be on the panel coming up um, this June, which will be in Utah, and we're going to be sharing our story. Um, I'm continuing to share as much as I can um, medically about Nolan's life on my YouTube channel, and now I'm really happy that it seems to be going over well. There's such a good response. I have a Nolan and Treacher Collins syndrome um, specific playlist so people can sit through and kind of get a crash course in life with him. And um, the second event that we're doing in the next year with him is we're going to be seeing our friend John Lancaster. Oh, yeah, and I John- know him. I follow him on Instagram. Yeah, and so um, Nolan spent his fifth birthday with him, and Jono spent Nolan's first birthday and his third birthday at our house in Oregon where we live. Um, he just, on his own dime, living with Trisha Collins syndrome, being put up for adoption the second he was born, um, he's using his life and his story to meet other families um, and to do kind of, he'll do like a United States tour. He'll do um, school talks at every family that he stays at. If the kid is school age, he'll follow that kid right into school that day, do a large assembly, share his life, share his message of hope and inclusion and loving yourself. And he now has an official charity called Love Me, Love My Face, mm-hmm. which um, is an homage to his BBC documentary, Sharing His Life, called Love Me, Love My Face. 
And so if you were thinking as this month is September, which is Craniofacial Awareness Month officially, if anyone that's listening to this podcast was interested in getting involved or giving back or, you know, plugging into one of these charities, I would definitely recommend ccakids.com, which is the Children's Craniofacial Association, or Love Me, Love My Face. And you can find Jono's charity, what they're working on for kids just like Nolan, um, on his Facebook page. So you can just search it in the Facebook search bar and it'll come right up. You could buy a t-shirt, which goes straight to the charity and helps them fund trips that Jono can take to families in need. And it also helps to raise money for children that need hearing aids or vital surgeries. CCA Kids does that as well. Um, And so with CCA, they actually, if they get enough money for specific children that are in need in their system. They have done um, college scholarships for them this past year, and they're doing incredible things. Um, we're going to be doing a Jogathon large event with Love Me, Love My Face in England at the end of the year, and Jono is actually coming our way next month um, with his Love Me, Love My Face shirts in tow um, to do a large assembly at Nolan School and share this message of inclusion and positivity and self-love. And um, so, yeah, that's what's ahead for us in the next year. We've got some wonderful charities that we were able to plug into that we were able to find when Nolan was first born and to actually work in and help with. Um, And that's, I think, always the most useful thing when you've gone through something hard is to try to find a way to give back and make it easier for the next person going through it because it is not easy in any way, shape, or form. And did I answer your question? Yes, I adore you. Oh my gosh, you are just such a light. And you know, I just I, I admire your grace, and and you are an old soul. I mean, you are just you you are wise beyond your years. And I mean, I just hope everyone listening goes and follows you, and and Nolan and Jay, you know, your husband, and just does whatever they know anyone that they can share your story with, because I I just think you're so fabulous. So I have one more question. Um, this podcast is called the same 24 hours. And what that means is we all have the same 24 hours in our day, but it's what we do within those 24 hours that makes a difference in our lives and the lives of people around us. So what is something that you guys do on a daily basis that is making a big impact in your life and then in turn spreads to a wider audience. We are choosing time. Sorry, you broke up for a second. You're choosing what? We are choosing kind. Okay. We are choosing kindness every day where I might not have done that before. Before Ah. no one was born, I was a little theater kid. I had a, time finding friends. I could kind of be one of those judgmental, mean girls. I grew up as a little Southern belle in dance and theater. I might not have been the best person at being kind to other people that I met. And now with Nolan, we know that it starts with us. We are trying our best to be kind to each other and to be kind to the people that we interact with outside of the home. We are trying to foster an environment in our own community, in our own town of kindness in spite of differences. We are trying so hard, even though it it takes every bit of you to turn off your mother bear. We are trying so hard in negative interactions where, you know, a child might run up and say something truly mean to our son to use it in a kind way for education and to 
I guess, really hit home that message that nothing can, nothing good can happen if we are not respecting each other and if we are not choosing kind. So it is a huge part of our life now. It's a part of my daily 24 hours. I am trying my best to be kind to myself, to make good choices for myself. I am trying my very best to be kind to my sometimes bratty and demanding children. (laughs) I am trying my best to be kind to the people that I encounter that ask me about my son. And I'm trying to be kind here in my community and to pass that message around as much as I can and to make Oregon, to make Salem where we live, to make any group that we're partnered with, uh, you know, with charity organization-wise better because we are not coming across as, you know, aggressive or negative or, you know, um, I guess adversarial, and that really we love you in your difference. We love you if you don't have any differences or adversity. We love you if you're coming to us out of complete ignorance. You've never heard of a kid like our sons. And we want you to come in. We want you to ask us questions. And we're going to be freaking kind to you. (laughs) We're going to be freaking kind to you. I love it. (laughs) I love it so much. So do you, is like choose kind um, part of your your hashtag and and sort of your kind of It is, yes. It is, okay. Yes. And do you make t-shirts with that? Um, there are definitely Choose Kind shirts. Choose Kind, as a phrase, I think kind of came around because of the Wonder book. Um, it's obviously made into a movie now, but Wonder by R.J. Palacio. Um, in that book, the main character, Augie, um, he he talks about kindness. His teacher talks about kindness. And I think that the hashtag probably originated from schools taking on this book to read in fourth and fifth grades. I think there are definitely t-shirts that you could find. Definitely, definitely look up Wonder um, by RJ Palacio, and you probably will be able to find Choose Kind shirts with the book's logo. I think Choose Kind is a hashtag that runs well through our CCA, Children's Creative Facial Community. It is something that I put on every post of Nolan's, and um, I I know that they're out there. I wish that I could give you a direct link, but I know that if you search the hashtag, you'll probably find the merch as well. <laughs> oh, well, I just love it so much. Thank you, Allie, for taking the time. And if we're ever out in Oregon, I'm going to bring my kidlets to meet Nolan, and we'll just do something very West Coast, like drink coffee Absolutely. And hike. <laughs> yes, hiking 100%. I am a wealth of knowledge. I'll tell you exactly where we should go. <laughs> Awesome. So I'll post all the links up to your social media. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much again. 